Hello, I'm Emilie Bellet, founder of Vespod and author of Yonard Brook, Your Pre-Ridge, and you're listening to The Wallet. Every week, we give you the best tips, guidance, and a good dose of inspiration and motivation to manage your money better. Today, I invited Tamara Gillen, successful entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of the Wealthy Her Network. Her mission is to bring together the UK's leading financial institutions to work in partnership for the first time to celebrate and support female wealth. As a single mother, Tamara has had to fight for her own success and passionately believes women deserve to be recognized and championed by the financial sector. In this episode, we're keen to break the bias around women and investing for International Women's Day. We've had enough listening to the message that women aren't interested, have a lower tolerance for risk, or don't care about growing their wealth. Women are actually great investors. So how do we break the bias by inspiring and empowering women to grow and protect their wealth? Certified financial advisors, information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. Many people have no clue how their pension works, where to find it, or even how to open one. But it's important to save for our future and make sure we have enough money to retire on. Today's sponsor is Pension B. Pension B is an online pension provider that can help you figure it all out. They enable thousands of savers to be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. You can download the app or head to pensionb.com for more information. They have great resources and even a retirement calculator. Remember that capital is at risk. We both had an incredibly busy week. It's going to be the same for next week. Um, you know, International Women's Day and the theme this week is Break the Bias. And I think you've been working on four pillars around this, this theme. Um, can you tell me what they are? Absolutely. Like you, our work is year long, every day, every month, every, every year in support of women. And those four pillars have come from our research. One of those is the esteem or the worth gap. Very sadly, we found that we find that women's self-esteem is less men's um, and quite dramatically so and particularly in the UK versus some other markets such as Asian markets um, how that also plays out is into financial confidence and financial education plays a role which is why everything you do is so important but financial confidence which in turn um, leads to both a pension gap and an investing gap where women aren't engaging in the same way as men with regards to pensions we've seen a disproportionate impact on women's roles over the pandemic which have caused a retraction in pension progress but but also women choose to invest their money in their children's education and less so in their own futures so they're gaps that we work to close and biases that we work to break to break through everything we do as you do And when we think about um, breaking uh, the bias, can you give me some, you know, some examples for for women um, of, you know, some bias? Like how are, are we seen? What are our main challenges? I think that through our research, we know that for 72% of women, for example, they do not think that the finance industry is talking to them, that therefore it doesn't understand them and that it is biased against them, biased in not catering to their needs, um, biased in the fact that it's using too much jargon. For example, over 50% of women say that there's too much jargon, which creates another barrier. And I think that's a really, really important bias. Women also want to see 
more um, women um, within all levels of the industry so that they can talk to women that at least look like them or understand some of their unique life moments that are unique to women. Um, It doesn't mean that women only want to deal with women as advisors, but they do want to have choice on people who understand the differences between men and women. I think there are also um, biases in the process or in the applications. For example, some uh, mortgage companies um, have policies whereby if you were self-employed last year as a woman and you had a baby, it doesn't class that as, as maternity leave. In fact, that can impact your mortgage ability for some time until you've built up that kind of over time of working again. So again, there are biases in the process. I found that when I got divorced, um, I had been paying my mortgage myself. But when I got divorced, my, my, my affordability got downgraded, even though my financial situation was no worse. Um, and so there, there are inherent biases. We also see it play out in funding for women, as you and I also well know. So in, I mean, we look at maybe the different elements, um, but if we focus on, on investing, so I think we, we're asking a lot um, for women, you know, we have to be financially educated, we have to be financially empowered, we have to invest money, but there's so many like structural challenges. So how can we focus more on, you know, breaking the bias around um, investing to, to empower women? I think that I think there are a lot of challenges and it is incredibly complicated. I would say I am I, I, my financial confidence, my financial knowledge was incredibly zero, um, apart from running a business when I started the Wealthy Her journey in 2019. And I grapple every day with talking to experts and thinking, what are you saying? Like, I just don't understand what they're saying. But what I do know, and I think I feel, you know, women are saving. Women yeah. love to save. You know, we're very comfortable at saving through the pandemic. People, but particularly women, saved five times more than the average went into savings in the UK overall. So we've got savings. And in fact, we're kind of just not aware that there are smarter places to put them. We're also not aware that the impact on, and again, this is not financial advice for me, you know, inflation's having an impact on, on what that what that means and what that looked like. So even if just money was put in slightly smarter places, um, things, so I think that there are starting, that. that's why that financial education, talking to people as well, because it's so much easier, I think, to hear it from each other or hear it from sources such as Vespod and yourself. I remember you said to me some advice, and I use this all the time, and say, look at your subscriptions. You know, actually, how many little subscriptions do you have coming out? And actually, I had last time you spoke to me, it was something like 80 or 90 pounds. If I was just (laughs) doing that into a smarter place and it was media i didn't even know i wasn't consuming like the times i didn't even know i had it um digital media you know subscriptions um and so i think that we can then employ that into a slightly smarter a smarter place um i also didn't know about the isa and the tax allowance. again it was uh, isa and those allowances so i think that there are small steps and something i find really hopeful from our research is what the pandemic has done is for 51% of people, women, sorry, which is up about 17, 18% from 2020, um, is want to want to make get it more involved in financial decision making, owning their own prosperity, because the pandemic was a health driven crisis. Women said, actually, this is so close to myself and my family, I want to understand, I want to make sure I know, I want to make sure we're protected. And I want to be able to be informed to act in the best possible way. And I see that as a, as a big opportunity. But I also think the 
institutions that serve women need to come marching out and talk differently, talk to women, show they get them and remove some of these biases that we talk, we've already talked about. And can I ask you, how can they do that and sort of wake up <laughs> to their female customers without looking like super pink or, you know, what's, what's the best way for them to communicate? Because we see a lot in the, in the industry happening at the moment. I think that you, I mean, one of the things that many organizations, whether it's on plastic or carbon or, very, or gender or, or equality, are very, some organizations are really scared to start because they say, well, we've been traditionally seen as this way. If we start now, no, that's you have to start now and you have to keep moving forward and you need to do it with purpose. Because especially as you look, I mean, I think it's 89% of women want to engage with um, financial services organizations that are socially responsible and environmentally sustainable. They want to see that, and that's 10% more than men. If you look at the younger consumer, it's 90, or per people, I hate that word consumer, it's 92%. So there's an absolute commercial imperative. What we've done with Wealthy Her is actually say, let's do it together. Because in fact, if we can get 15 leading financial organizations from HSBC to, to Bruin Dolphin um, to work together to say, what can we learn? What can we learn from each other? What do we need to change together? We can, we can, we can move forward. And it almost creates the impetus, but the demand for the industry to move with them. Um, I think that there are subtle cues and I remember going to the uh, taking a senior journalist from the Telegraph to interview in one of the Canary Wharf banks and her opening line of the article and I met her and we went up and we did the interview and her opening line of the article was I went in the door and I didn't believe that I belonged there and I felt intimidated from yeah. the moment I walked into these grand doors and even these subtle things and even things such as I've said to some of you know the people that we started working with Every room is named after a man. Every client meeting room is named after a man. Every publication is a typically male publication. You know, it doesn't feel like you were talking to me. So I think that there are subtle cues through to some of their, their communication. Um, so I think it's really, really important that those subtle cues are realized. But then more than that, I think there also needs to be these dramatic strides forward, like as, as we were talking of making sure that there aren't these biases in, in, in the way that the mortgages are done. There aren't biases in their lending processes. So I think that you have to walk the walk as well as communicate differently. And then more, more female uh, women at all levels of leadership so that their voices from within and from the bottom can help change the industry from within. And when we think about um, a woman investor, uh, some people may be like, you know, yeah, women are very risk adverse. Women are not investing money. I keep hearing these messages. And, and for me, it's very hard because I live with a community of women who want to invest or women investors. And they're, they're not like that. So what are, you know, what are the biases around women and investing more specifically? 
I think that one of the things that we've seen through our research is that women are not risk averse, they're yeah. risk aware. And if you think of, you know, what's the purpose of, of money for you? And six, over 60% of women say it's to provide comfort, safety, security for myself and my family, education. Therefore, it really matters. We're not talking about I get to have new shoes or a lovely house. It's saying, actually, first of all, it's about that, that though, all those things I love. And in that context, you want to know what... I, I want to understand where is my money going? How is it being used? What risks do I have? And again, if you've got those, you know, the biases, like you're not talking to me and I don't feel I can ask you questions. And in fact, I don't feel I've got information in the right form, too much jargon or too much of it then they are biasing women not to engage because it just is. So that's why we have to work. And when we find that when women can ask any question, when when they can share experiences with other women, um, and you've seen, I've seen you do that time and time again, um, then it changes their, their engagement overall with investing and it changes their propensity to want to invest in something that might be slightly more, you know, have a slight, slightly higher risk profile. So I think information and education is the key, but also conversation and questions. So what are your top three tips? What are the things we need to do uh, from now to the next International Women's Day um, to, you know, to, to, to break the bias? I think that you and I will continue to, to have our mission and our challenge and we will, you know, we will be arming and educating women and I will be challenging the finance industry to continue to innovate and continue to change. And I don't believe it starts with women alone because I think that that is only half of the, the story and actually the incorrect balance. However, what I always say, going back to that um, esteem point is... Um, You know, a really amazing woman said to me, you are worth it. And she made me put it on my mirror and I wrote it in lipstick. You are worth it. And my seven year old son came in and put a heart around it and ruined my lipstick. But every day I look at it and I think as women, we don't always hold our own worth. And I think that when we go and we ask for a pay increase or pitch our business, we often negotiate against ourselves. And so I always say to people, You know, when you go into that situation, talk to people that you really respect to make sure you know when you sit you sit and look them in the eye that you believe you're worth it and know that a man is he believes he's worth it next door and really hold your own value. Because if you do their little simple things and don't negotiate against yourself because let someone else do that. And I, and I know that sounds like a really simple thing. It's something that's held me in really, really good stead. I think that it's also really important that we help each other by talking about it. But also if you can, you know, if you're in a situation of influence and you can influence another woman or give her advice or talk about what you're doing or even talk about some of your financial problems, I, you know, and opportunities. I've just recently employed a new um, head of finance and I have been woeful from a personal finance perspective. And actually, I was talking to her about it and all of these tips that she's given me from a personal perspective. I've been entrepreneur first. That's my pension. I have not been very savvy from a personal perspective. And actually just talking to someone who it's that's her job, but she's also very personally savvy, has really given me some practical tips and that, that I can ask her any questions. I'm not you know, embarrassed to ask anybody else. I certainly couldn't ask my partners. Hi, I'm a female financial and economic empowerment champion and I really don't know you know what can I do with my pension you know so it, it's I think speaking to women and speaking to each other is really important
also remember that money is power. As the conflict is escalating in Ukraine, putting millions of children and their families in immediate danger, we've been donating to UNICEF. Please think about learning about the conflict, educating yourself, or donating money if you can. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Wallet. Every other week, I answer your questions about money on the show. To get involved, send your questions and comments via hotline to podcast at vespot.com. If you send us a voice note, you may even get to hear your voice on the next hotline episode. Be sure to share this show with your friends and subscribe on your favorite platform. Please also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It only takes a few seconds, but it helps more people find our show. Join us again next Thursday for another episode of The Wallet with creator of the My Frugalier Instagram account, Claire Seal. <laughs>